0: All right, everyone, we're here to talk about the Yeah, We Know podcast. Well, first off, I want to say belts are just changing hands left and right here. Yeah, we know. If you came through the WWE and wanted to be a big-time deal, you had to go through The Undertaker for, what, about 20 years, Jimmy? Yeah, we know. Jimmy, are they screaming RK bro, or are they screaming Randy, Randy, Randy? Yeah, we know. It's Seth freaking Rollins. Show the man his respect. The Yeah, We Know podcast. Find it in this feed. Part of the Morgan Knows podcasting network. All right, we are here with Brett Westcons, longtime friend of the show. He has been on a couple of episodes with us talking about uh, fun. I believe Brett, your uh, your Major League episode with uh, Evan D. Altman is still uh, is still one that I will I will get to tweet out the uh, link to every year when baseball starts. So that's one of your Morgan Eno appearances. That's probably legendary there.
1: Do you do you remember that one fondly? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely love Evan and I actually just watched Major League again back in April this year. I, I try to watch it every year i was going to say I don't doubt season. that in the least. I do yeah. not doubt that in the <laughs> least, my friend. DVD baby still still popping it in every now and again. It's still 1995 over here in Zionsville.
0: Well, other than just a couple of old friends who uh, have known each other for years and years and can catch up about any number of things under the sun, we do have a we do have one thing we want to talk about, your uh, newest album, Late Bloomer is going to be coming out for the people on the same day as this podcast drops. Brett, my first question for you here is a bit of a clarification. I'm I'm a numbers nerd at times. I know there's a couple of EPs in there. So, what number album do you consider this? Are we counting EPs? That's what I'm saying. I'm asking you. You're uh, you're the artist. These are all yours. What <laughs> do you count it as?
1: I would count it as you know, like my studio work, all you know, all inclusive. Um, but I need to count how many there have been now that have been like properly released. That would be. Uh, the Jaybirds and the Owls never <laughs> went to the studio, so I don't. I don't think we can count any of those. I was gonna say I don't know how many mass production orders were ever
0: made for those <laughs> for those EPs or in the early days.
1: Yeah. So um, let's see. I did uh, a <clears throat> couple things with Great Scott. I let's see. I did that little a little too late. It was like the first like full album we did, and like geez, that was probably two thousand three or four and then we did an ep and then i did a solo little ep and then i did two eps with john so that's up to five for the michaels and then i did a full album with mark brian from hootie six and now this one will be the full album with tom and that'll be seven seven so, albums
0: wow yeah. Do you consider yourself a crusty veteran at this point
1: Definitely crusty. <laughs> I can at least attest to that part of the equation. But yeah, I'm a veteran. They bring me out of the bullpen now and again to uh, close a deal. So how, how different is the time
0: in the studio, say, when you're getting together, this late Bloomer album, than versus, say, some of the first times you were getting together? Certainly, this one's more of a, of a solo affair, but even, even the studio time, is it similar, or is everything so much different between the album you just recorded now and the first one you were telling us about? I
1: barely remember any of that studio time with Great Scott, you know, 20 years ago, but... Uh, This took a long time, and there's just a lot of factors for that, for the new album. But, you know, the main factor was we were in the middle of a global pandemic when we started writing the album. So there was a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of difficulty just communicating, even, because, you know, everybody... The first few months of that lockdown, you know, there was... A lot of fear mongering going on, and just other bigger fish to fry, I suppose, than to than than to go record an album. So we delayed some things. We still st- we started writing though pretty quickly after um, we got funded for the record by our Kickstarter backers. So I would say by April, even in, I mean I started writing this album lyrically and in. in January of 2020,
0: and uh, wow, okay. So there's there's, before, there's a lot of a lot of time and effort in on this one.
1: Oh yeah, and and honestly, none of those songs I think even made the cut, uh, or at least the song ideas. It, it wasn't until after the pandemic hit and things were locked down, and then I got a little more focused on some of the song writing I wanted to do and some of the themes I wanted to uh, attack and some of the emotions I wanted to try to capture in the in the lyrics. And then I would send that over to Tom, you know, just lyrics, not, I mean, no musical connection to it, just, hey, here's some words, and this is what I'm kind of feeling, and I'm kind of thinking, excuse me, uh, I was kind of thinking like, hey, let's try and make this like a rocker or let's do this like a b-side for Pearl Jam or just to give Tom a little bit of a blueprint and then Tom would take my words and like come up with just badass melodies and music and, and send it back and then I would you know try to edit out some words here and there just kind of we wrote a lot like through email and text and there's this app called Marco Polo I don't know if you know what that is. It's a video app, basically, where you send videos back and forth of just you talking to each other, like one-on-one. Like, I'll send a video of me talking to my phone, and it goes to Tom, he watches it, and then he sends one back talking to me through his phone, as opposed to just sending text messages. And uh, But we did all that, and I think we did cut. I mean, it's just hard. I mean, he had a little girl at home. His wife was working in the ER during the height of the pandemic wow. it was just so there was a lot of factors that played against you know us to get this done and all the musicians we used what? were scattered around the country too so it was just a big undertaking that tom pretty much had to handle himself as the producer you know i he, he kind of spearheaded that whole operation it's one of those things that I guess, you know,
0: I, I, I don't want to say you forget about, right? But you sort of take the pandemic times kind of for granted because we just had to live through it and it just what it was. But I, I could imagine that that would make putting an album together completely different than the first time that you did. And I was interested in a couple of things that you said there about how you would just shoot off little, uh, little things to your producer, Tom. And we'll get to that when we focus in a little bit more on Late Bloomer. But let's go back to the uh, beginning a little bit for some of the folks out there. How old do you... Think you were? Do you have an answer to the question? Of when you knew, all right, I, I have to do music. I have to write songs. I have to I have to play music for people. I have to perform. When do, when do you think that that day was? Do you have a great date, or is it just something that happened over time?
1: No, it was pretty much probably around. I don't know the exact day. I know the time period is when I was in that 14, 15 year old age range. So that goes back a ways, as you know. But uh, yeah, I was probably right around that age, pretty impressionable young man, and really just always enjoyed singing for the, I mean, not always, I guess, but for the last three or four years before that, when I was 10, 11, whatever, I loved just singing along to U93 and the radio and cassettes, whatever, and I thought that was fun, I never really Thought much more than that back then but then when i was around that 14 15 and hooting the blowfish burst on the scene i just kept thinking man this would be so fucking cool to sing songs and be like on tour and be in a band like that and so then i don't know just kind of kept that in the back of my mind and just, I don't know, I had a feeling that I wanted to do it from that, you know, almost 30 years ago, I guess now, but um, that's really it. I just really had a tunnel vision for it once, Once uh, you know, because I listened to what was on the radio prior to Hootie, and a lot of it was pretty dark and a lot of grunge, which I liked some of that, obviously, I mean, I absolutely love Pearl Jam, love Soundgarden, Never got a ton into Nirvana, but they—you know—I respect the hell out of them. Uh, Allison Chains—they're dirt—they're dark as can be, man. But and that—that that was yeah, Allison Chains is way dark. Allison yeah. Chains
0: is way dark. I was doing a bit of a deep dive on them recently, and I was like,
1: <laughs> man, they are dark, man. But some of their songs I, I cover two of their songs still. And when I play solo acoustic, you know, sometimes.
0: Oh, their talent's unmatched, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's definite reasons for that darkness, but it's definitely there on the albums.
1: Man, isn't it? And and that was what was dominating the airwaves, it seemed like, in 92, 93, 91, whatever. And then Hootie came along in 94, 95, and I was, it was like, okay, hold my hand. Not like, you know, can't find a better man or, you know... Dirt and whatever the hell, sound or Alice and Chains were singing about black hole. So, all this, you know, all this darkness was getting washed away by the breezy poppy hooting the blowfish. And and I like to think, I mean, you can hear it on my album, this one especially, that there is some darkness there, but uh, there is hope within all these songs. I hope for everybody listening because there was, for me as a writer, I, I there were some dark times we were going through me personally and also the world collectively but I really I didn't have to try that hard but I always kept it in, a, in the forefront of my mind to, to make sure that there was hope coming out of these songs as opposed to just darkness because nobody wants to hear that shit
0: now i have the benefit of uh knowing you for uh, quite a long time but uh you're just you're generally always kind of one of those guys who tends to lean a bit on the brighter side you just never have been too down about any one thing and i would i'd love to hear you say hope and hopeful there because that was definitely a feel i got from a lot of songs on the new album so you talk about us here in Hootie back in, you know, 14, 15, all of that. Do you consider those early bands you played in? We talked about the Jaybirds, the Owls, all those guys. Do you consider those your first gigs? Or do you consider something else a first gig? Or do you consider the first time you actually got paid for one the first
1: gig? Oh, no. I will, I definitely consider the early days of the Owls. and I mean, we didn't play many gigs back in high school with the bands I was in, but there were a few gigs here and there. and I definitely can think back on those times even just the jam sessions or the writing i mean we were writing our own songs you were part of that rod don't sell yourself sure we were writing our own songs you know in 1996 i'm still waiting for about the time the ruckus started to happen (laughs) uh yeah dude I, i that's where i got my start and i just you know i think I've gotten a little better as I've gone along, and I hope to continue that with the next record I put out down the road. After we get you know Late Bloomer out and it gets a life for a while. So I
0: know then we uh, you you have uh, you have college life down in the Indianapolis area. You start uh, you start playing the Broad Ripple area quite a bit. So uh, when did you first start being able to venture out of uh, our little nest here and uh, play some kind of out of state gigs? When do you remember that first happening for you?
1: Yeah, that was late in college um started up with great scott in 2002 fall and i was finishing up college at that point point. and i don't think we played out of state that first year in 2002 but i know in two by 2003 we were starting to move around to st louis and chicago and um, even like that, you know, out of out of city, you know, Terre Haute, we played a lot in Terre Haute, I remember, in like 03, 04, 05 even. Um, some other stuff. Indiana spots. Beach? Yeah, I we remember did. a couple of Indiana I, Beach yeah, gigs fondly. I don't think Indiana Beach happened until about 2006, but yeah, that was all that great Scott years from 02 to 08. We really. Is when I really started to tour or at least travel for shows, but I didn't do it the best way. I mean, it was, I don't know how, I mean, I had a job, I guess, at that point, still a day job. So we didn't care as much about, you know, how we made money or if we made money, especially if we made money. We didn't really care if we made money. We cared about just playing shows and having fun and meeting girls. but it's not the smartest way to do it. If you want to have a longevity, you got to figure out how to actually make a living doing it. So that took a while for that to happen. But do you remember, if you don't mind me asking, let me dive a little deeper on
0: that. Do you remember any one day where some inspiration or some event in your life happened where you decided, you know what, I got to do this differently. I got to leave the, the day job. Cause I remember the day job finally. You actually kind of liked it a little bit, right? Nine to five was never for you, but you certainly did kind of like your day job. So what, what was it? Do you remember a moment?
1: I do, actually. That, that one's pretty crystallized in my brain. I was, I think it was January 2008. Oh, well, I know it was. And I was, uh, had a sales call, a couple sales calls in like upstate New York. And it was uh, like, I think I was in uh, Rochester. Yeah. And all due respect to my people in Rochester, New York, but that's not where you want to be in January.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not. Man. You're saying that as a Northern Indiana person too.
1: Right. I mean, we get snow and cold in Northern Indiana, but man, well, I think they got like two feet of snow when I was up there and I am was like, man, what am I doing? And, you know, I was getting ready to turn 28. I uh, still had the dreams of, doing this thing for you know as a career making a living doing it um so i i actually was up there for like i said for work but i had purchased the into the wild soundtrack from the film that eddie vetter did the soundtrack and i was listening to that a lot vetter again pearl jam earlier now vetter solo but so, with that album, I don't know if you've heard it. I assume you've heard it or seen seen the movie, know some of the songs. There is a lot I'm of... No, I'm no Pearl Jam
0: aficionado like my guy Ed Leon, but I dabble. I'm yeah. familiar.
1: So, in that, that movie soundtrack that Eddie Vedder did, it, it, there's a lot of songs in there about seeking out your future and you know manifest destiny and going after things you want and just all that stuff really seeped into me and i was like okay I, I gotta make i gotta make it happen so came back from that trip pretty much changed but i knew you know i needed a little more time to get my ducks in a row and and then by uh, end of april or in by probably april 1st i told my boss that you know this is going to be my last month or two weeks whatever and he had me finish the month of April, and then I was done. My May 1st, 20, 2008, I was rolling with uh, the Michaels. Yeah, we were playing all shitload of gigs at that point.
0: I do I do, I do, remember those, uh, those days quite fondly, and I have seen your... Uh your work ethic uh, from that day till now—it is amazing. So things get to rolling for the Michaels, and then it becomes just Brett Westcon's. And so, what's what's the biggest crowd? Then we started to hit as we uh, as we moved along into the solo career. And is that your favorite gig, or is there another gig that stands out as one of your favorites?
1: Um, biggest crowd—I mean, I've sang the national anthem in front of twenty thousand people. Nice. Hey, that's um, still a lot of people you got to perform for. That's they a lot know what of song's coming, but you still got to perform for. Them. Right. You got to deliver the mail, as they say, which you know. Thank a lot you. About. <laughs> um, th- th- those kind of opportunities are really fun. Uh, I'd have to say that cruise I did with Bon Jovi. You know, not to just casually drop a name in there, but. <laughs> No, that's listen. That's the thing you had to work for, man. You had to
0: get people to vote yeah. for you. You had to be part of a song contest. I mean, that was that was awesome work. I I like wondered if you picked
1: that one out. Yeah, that was a cool experience, really. More than anything, I mean, I made some serious fans on that cruise and people that have supported me over the years. Um, I never did get to meet John Bon Jovi, but hopefully one of these days I will. But I, I would say that was a pretty pivotal turning point for me as far as my solo career and and gaining fans and kind of getting me kick-started to want to do the late bloomer album because that kind of that was april 2019 and then me and tom wrote the song late bloomer in the summer of 2019 thinking it was just going to be a single and then we put it out in february 2020 and we but we right before that we're like man we need to just do a fucking album called late bloomer because this song's great and let's try and do that and yeah then we i mean it costs a lot of money to do that but luckily i had help through the kickstarter world and a lot of people jumped on board to contribute and be a part of it so i feel like i don't want to get too spiritual but i just feel like it's just destiny for uh for this oh no look, don't unfolded. worry I'm gonna,
0: I'm gonna ask you to I'm gonna ask you to get a little bit, tad bit spiritual in the song sense here in just a minute. But this is something that I always find, on any musician friend of mine that I have, I always ask this question, right? You've encountered numerous, 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 numerous bar owners over your career. (laughs) Guys that you've had to play gigs for, guys that you've been Thursday nights, Friday nights, Saturdays, whatever. Then the time comes where you need to get paid by them. You've gotta have a crazy bar owner story for me.
1: There was this bar in Chicago called Sylvie's in like downtown, like maybe Lincoln Park called Sylvie's and Great Scott played there twice, I believe. And Sylvie, I believe is passed on now because it's been 15, 16 years since we played there. But Sylvie was a, a she came from a, a Europe somewhere. I, I want to say like Eastern Europe some sort of you know she came over as an immigrant and just very hard nosed and older even when we played there just older like no bullshit she gave she's us been like, she's yeah, been at this a long, been long at time yeah she's been at this a long time we didn't get paid to play there nobody did really they gave us like these wooden tokens um like looked like quarters but were wooden that said, Sylvie's on it, and like on the one side, and on the other side said free drink or something. That's basically how we got paid. But she kept. We would show. We showed up on time and everything, and but she just like her her immediate response to basically, I guess anybody, or maybe it just musicians, or maybe musicians from Indiana. I don't know exactly if we were on her shit list or if that's just how she talked to everybody. But I mean, she basically just called us. I don't know how many kids are going to be listening to this show, but I mean. She we got the like, we got the
0: rating you, you let it fly people are ready
1: for yeah, it yeah she's just like you fuckers <laughs> just like out of the gate just like, from jump, like, jump huh <laughs> yeah from the gate it's like you fuckers, go set up over there. I, but it wasn't—it wasn't necessarily being mean and nasty, but it was just how she was It was endearing
0: as that term can be, I guess, yeah. is what I'm picturing in my head right now from yeah. a, from an older from an older Eastern European. So we're talking like Yugoslavia, Czechoslovakia, yeah, somewhere Estonia. In
1: that, yeah, I would, I will say that very confidently. She was some from somewhere over there. Gotcha. And she just maybe that was like her favorite word. Maybe it was some sort of term of endearment, but she called us fuckers all it's
0: quite possible maybe that's one of the first words she heard when she came over here and it just stuck you know what i mean it's very possible we want to try to give her as big a break as we can oh definitely about characters here we're certainly we're not judging we're just talking about characters
1: right and i love good characters man that's all i'm looking for in life is people that are memorable and are not vanilla wafers you know i love characters so she was a character we still talk i just saw duff uh and Jason Kaidandall. Over the weekend, we played a pop-up, one-hour set at this house concert in Broad Ripple, and we were still r- reminiscing about Sylvie. I uh, I
0: also wonder, along those same lines,
1: real quick: is uh, is is there
0: certain you've played for so many different crowds? Is there any certain crowd that comes to mind? One that got a little, uh, one that got a little angry, or one that you were like, "Oh my God, these people are lit on fire for me." Is there any certain
1: crowd that you always remember? <laughs> a town. Um, When you say lit on fire for me, like in a good way or like. Yeah, man, I mean like the crowd was just hot, you know, I mean,
0: like you've seen a bunch of bars, right? I mean, you know, let's not miss words here. You've been in a bunch of bars where people couldn't care less if you were on stage or not. Right. Do you ever remember one where people were like, oh, look at these people.
1: Right. Um, Usually the more alcohol that was involved, the more they got into it and the more like we were like the greatest thing ever to them. Uh, I remember some really fun band shows and and in, in at Indiana Beach as you mentioned before like those were good times. Crazy good times there after parties and um uh, we were kind of treated pretty well up there. Uh Broad Ripple, we had a lot of fire nights in Broad Ripple at Peppers.
0: I was going to say CT Peppers baby. I remember being there many times.
1: Yeah, those were but you know nowadays yeah I mostly play solo and I'm doing more of a you know a, either an opening set for Billy Bob Thornton or Sister Hazel or whoever it might be and um i'm I'm doing shorter bursts you know and I'm doing house concerts and um I can still get you know I can still get people fired up when I need to but um, oh yeah I was I, the way, the way late bloomer opens, you're letting people know you can still rock when you need to <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I came from that. I mean, I really did. I mean, a lot of people know me now as just the solo acoustic guy or whatever, the the tip me and tequila guy. But, you know, you know, and a lot of people from, you know, high school and college know that I I really was more of a rocker than a a balladeer at first, you know.
0: Well, let me ask you this then, because that 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 hones in on something else. So then what's what's harder? Is the writing and the creating songs harder or is it harder handling all of the business, right? Since you've decided that this is your career and all the things that you talk about the right way to do it and wrong. You know, I'm not asking you to reveal secrets here, but what do
1: you think is actually harder? For me, it's harder. It kind of goes and comes and goes. But if I had to pick one, I would say it's it's still harder for me to create meaningful art. I can write a lot and I do. But it's hard to harness those, because songs and you know the stories I write just a lot of times literally come out of nowhere, just out of the ether. And I, I mean, they come a little more frequently sometimes now, but it's hard to just conjure stuff up. Sometimes it's especially. What's stuff a that, what's a wild
0: place you remember a song hitting you where you're like, oh my god, I
1: got to get this down. I was in uh, Asheville, North Carolina (laughs) once at a gas station filling up, and a song hit me there. I put it out a few years ago, shit, five or six years ago now, a single called Red. Welcome here, darling. You know I'm howling. there but yeah that one kind of hit me kind of crazily like that but you know for the album this new album we really i wrote a lot and just the more you write the more you're gonna write crap yes but the more then then as you're writing the crap the the good stuff will will appear as well so i'm really i don't believe in writer's block but i i do think it's hard to write really good songs. <laughs> I believe in that, but I also think the more you do something, the better you're going to get at it. So I, I just apply that to how I write. I just write a lot, and a lot of stuff people will never hear or see. So you'd say that, you, would you say then that you
0: write almost every day? Is Would, would you say maybe that might be one of the, one of your secrets, is that you're trying to write something every day, or is yes. that saying a little too much?
1: No, that's I do write every single day, but I don't always write song ideas but i write i write every day i'll say
0: that okay and i mentioned that late bloomer was a single that you wrote right and yes. then you said that late bloomer then kind of was like hey let's do this for an album so i'd like to think maybe the inspiration for late bloomer was kind of the inspiration for the album is that safe to say
1: yeah, yeah what was is. the
0: inspiration for late bloomer then do you have a do you have a specific time you remember when, when that song came about
1: i just had a um it was after the cruise in 2019. Sometimes as an artist, you want to keep the mystique and all that bullshit. But, man, sure, I, don't know. I understand. <laughs> and sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't want to do that. I'd rather be, you know, I want to be accessible, but I also, I do want to have a little mystique, I suppose. But um, that I Try to song, leave them open-ended, right? So you can answer as much or as little as right. you want to. Yeah, I, I had an idea for that song again in like April May of 2019 I think I had I don't know if I actually don't think I had any words I just had the, the concept of a character that is and always has been kind of a late bloomer and I mean you know a lot about my personal life we're not going to get into a lot of that stuff but um, but it is a character because, you know, what's funny is that's,
0: I, man, we're so in tune. It's like we've known each other <laughs> since elementary school. But I did write down on Late Bloomer. I said, is Late Bloomer more autobiographical or do you think it's more a character you created just based around some life experience?
1: Well, it's I straddle that line of fact and fiction. And, uh, and I do that, I hope, I think pretty well listen this is the podcast network for
0: it we talk wrestling here i mean they they don't straddle the line between fact and fiction and wrestling i don't know what does so you're on the right podcast network for that my friend exactly
1: um so rather than write a biography an autobiographical song 100 i pull certain things from my life that may or may not be autobiographical and then i put it in songs and that way i can kind of best of both worlds you know really i can live i've lived some of these experiences but in in a way i can fictionalize them and dramatize them is that the word dramatize them um there you go i think i say i'd say dramatize i can dramatize them to make it more universal so it's not just my story or you know joey's story in the book in the character and the song it's maybe you rod morgan here's sees a little bit of himself in this song or in this character as a you know a late to the game podcast host you know but you always oh, no, I, think, I think you hit it. i think you hit something right there my friend i
0: think that yeah. that song is absolutely hopeful i think that what you did by creating a character right is that character is authentic because you're someone who could, could be interpreted as a late bloomer right oh, But yeah. what i did when i heard this song is i said to myself all right rod you got to focus in on this podcast thing, right? Now, I'm not going to make it about me. We're here to talk about you. But you inspired me to say, all right, i got to hone in a little bit more on promotion. i got to hone in a little bit more on really concentrating on the product that I'm putting out. It can't just be I'm cutting my microphone with my buddies. I have to craft this into a show that other people who don't know me might someday want to listen to. And I got that inspiration from Late Bloomer. But you also get an absolutely phenomenal hook, and you drop cast aspersions in a song, my friend. Kudos to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, you're welcome. <laughs> you don't know, hear you cast like those big in, words in uh, yeah. modern in modern pop rock music. You really don't. Uh, and I wanted. Well,
0: to. Tear, here's what we'll do then. Let's focus in a little bit more on the album. As we said, this is coming out on July the 13th. Late Bloomer is going to be available for everybody everywhere. It's song number three on the album, but song number one we hinted at a little bit earlier as well. I think it's probably my favorite song, Vertical City. Great rock opener. Some piano on there.
1: Sounding the bell can be such a pity. Trying to make it in a vertical city. Pull the plug and cut her on now, Willie. The depths of despair has become so silly.
0: Hardworking man vibes there, a little bit of struggle, <laughs> right?
1: But still hopeful. Am I am I onto something with uh, with Vertical City? Yeah, yeah, you are. Um and, and so that song was written um very much so in the the uh early stages of lockdown. And there's,
0: there's okay. some anxiety. That's in where there. vertical
1: comes from, for sure. I get yeah. that then. Um there's a lot of anxiety in there there's a lot of uncertainty but there's also like some badass hope too that's basically like I'm gonna figure this out you know whoever I am in the song you know whoever that person is is gonna figure out how to navigate this and and uh yeah we we really did rock the the socks off on that first track
0: you certainly do. I mean it's a great opener and like you said, there's a little bit of there's a little bit of anxiety and a little bit of darkness there as you just stated, but it's ultimately hopeful, just like most of your music is. And then we go into walk tall, which I thought was a nice little step down from vertical city, but ultimately again triumph, words of encouragement there. Under
1: the you will find your strength You searching for Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I liked how that song turned out, man. That was that was probably me at my most, I would say, probably at my most uh, close to my breaking point. Because um, that, again, was written during the lockdown. And I was just like, my career had disappeared overnight. And um, so I just, it was more of a pep rally song for myself than... It feels that way, but it feels real. You know what
0: I mean? Yeah. Like, with the with the musical vibe you catch in it, get, it it's it's keeps it in reality. But there's definitely that kind of pep talk feel that can come across hokey sometimes, and I don't think it does in that song. I enjoyed it.
1: No, thank you. Yeah, that was what we were going for, and I think we I think we nailed it.
0: So you, I know, have said in some of your uh, promotion and stuff out there, and uh, I know there's some vinyl opportunities even where people can get this album on vinyl. And you can talk a little bit more about that if you want to. I, I don't, I don't know if I want to go into déjà vu and collection of hearts too much because I think we could be, you know, the mystique, and there could be a little bit of danger right. there. But let's ju- let's just say <laughs> those are, let's just say that those are a little bit of uh, there. The, the eternal spring of love lost seems to be right there. And then, did you, did you have an intention of Bluesy when you did Collection of Hearts because I, de- I got a definite bluesy vibe on that song.
1: She was the one who could reel him in and calm his childish fears he like to whisper in ears. That was you know what? Where I got that initial song idea is one of our mutual friends from Plymouth, Indiana, and that's Andrew Clark.
0: I saw the thing on the album, yeah. so that
1: was Clarky, huh? Clark gave me that idea back in, during lockdown, I think as well, back in like April, May 2020. We, I mean, I was really writing, that whole album was basically written between March 30th and May 1st, or May, and uh, I guess I wrote, no, nah, in, into August, I guess we wrote, basically from April to August, we wrote all the lyrics and the songs, basically. Uh, and the demos, you but. can tell that there's time
0: crafted around all of them. The way that they go into bridge and hooks, and that you can tell there's time crafted in all of them. It's definitely, oh, yeah. it's definitely visible.
1: No, I agree, and I appreciate it. But Clark, yeah, he he threw out the idea of a guy, girl, whatever, but more so a guy. I could, it was easier to write from a guy's perspective, I guess, but of a guy that was, uh, you know, had girlfriends, wives, whatever, dated had the but all he really had you know nothing really worked out he had all he had to show for it was just a collection of broken hearts but we didn't call it a clip we wanted to call it a collection of hearts it just had a better ring than broken hearts but so i thought yeah i could write i think i could write that song once he gave i didn't have the idea i mean i got to give him credit for having the idea but when you know me and tom wrote the song uh, obviously but tom once i get gave him lyrics for it he you know, this could be cool with, like, a Depeche Mode kind of vibe. He, it was his idea to do, like, a Depeche Mode that that. kind of vibe for that collection of heart song. And then he, he's he got that buddy in Nashville that did the string arrangement, which gave it a whole nother level. And then we had the choir. I mean, that That, song that was, was a choir. That was going to yeah. be my
0: last question about that song. If it was a choir, if it was just a couple of singers. It did sound like a choir, though, and it really added. Uh,
1: it did, man. It just that song's probably my favorite song on the album to be quite honest and and it's mostly because of the production of it and i mean it's it's a very well done song and it is i didn't necessarily live it autobiographically like a hundred percent but there's some of me in there too and there's
0: are you been a touring musician you you alluded to it earlier some good times come on we can all make some inferences here
1: yeah but yeah it, it but the song itself i think is just very powerful and it's all about again, like yeah, you you might have f- fucked stuff up in the past, but your past is not your future. It doesn't have to be. You can totally change your your trajectory, even if your past is, that is something an important you're not line. proud of. Yeah,
0: that is such an important line. That's one of those things that like you can you can transfer that to so many different circumstances in life as well, right? It Doesn't matter what type of mistake you made; it's still a mistake that you can get by.
1: Won't you knock
0: I'll touch on Deja Vu real quick because you mentioned that you uh, ultimately your roots aren't an acoustic balladeer but uh, you do quite a decent job with it on Deja Vu and I really love the whole the whole framing of letters in a drawer tell me how you've been so basically you can just pull those letters out and reminisce the the way you want to at any time I kind right. like that as a trick in that song
1: yeah thank you and, and, and you know it has a different meaning for a few different people that I've talked to actually that have heard the song and there's a, a, a woman, that a, a friend of mine down in Florida that I met on the cruise, real nice lady, older woman. She was party animal on the cruise, but her husband, they'd been married like 50 years, and he passed away. And, and she told me that even though the song to me is not necessarily about that, she's like, when I hear that song, I think of my Frank. And so I'm happy for people that can connect to songs that maybe I didn't write them or Tom and I didn't write them with a specific, or we had a specific intention about the song, but then somebody else hears it and they kind of but i think that comes
0: with songwriting
1: growth though no right i mean i think no, that I comes do. with songwriting growth always
0: kind of knowing that you that you want to have it fit you know it wants to go out to people right like the other thing that i thought that was cool about this album and i didn't take it as a way of you like turning your back right but a lot of your earlier stuff yeah i think you can feel a lot more indiana in it and this i think it's there right for those of us that know but i think this is the music that can play to anybody in any state and i think that that, that comes across
1: totally yeah it's more about uh You know, honoring the the roots I have, but also expanding the horizons more than anything else. And I just I mean, I can't say enough good things about working with Tom for this because, you know, without him, this wouldn't have ever happened. So it would just be a bunch of words I'd have in my notebooks, you know. So now by the time the, this comes out on the 13th, are, uh, are
0: all the vinyl opportunities gonna be taken up or are people still gonna be able to maybe have one of those after they hear this podcast?
1: They should be able to. I, I will have I finally have hard copies of vinyl, I think sometime in August and I'm doing a pre-sale at my website. So if people wanna hop over there, you know, I'll have still a few available unless something crazy happens, but I, it's a really expensive product to produce. So I was only able to get a limited. But the quality is there. The quality is there. You know, there's limited copies, but if people really want one, we can probably figure it out, at least initially. If 80,000 people want one, I don't think I'll be able to come up with that supply right away, but maybe down the road. There we go. Well I wanted to
0: bring that up again because I think you you and me, we talk about our early days and even cassette tapes at times, right? Like that was more of a thing for us with side A and side B than even albums were, but we even remember albums from a kid. There's a definite side B feeling on Late Bloomer when we get to tracks six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. I'd say that those tracks are a little bit poppier and the first five are a little bit rocker. Is that is that is that fair to say or am I am I off a little bit on that? no
1: no I think you're right I mean obviously he kicks off with when you can't breathe which is more of a rocker but then those last four are really kind of breezy pop songs so everyone will know just how we'll grow yeah I think it takes a little bit of a different turn there um, from the first side and I I did spend a lot of time coming up with the track listing and the, the track order, and you know, because that's always well, I got a question about how we came up with the title when
0: we get a little later on here on side B.
1: Okay, yeah, I yeah, I was always uh, when we were growing up, you know, like I would love to get a CD or a tape or you know, whatever, um, and like read all the track listing, like why did they put this song, you know, third, why is this song eighth, I wonder, and. Like, that stuff always appealed to me, so I I definitely wanted this collection of songs to tell a story, kind of take you, take the listener on a a journey for 45 minutes or however long the record is. I think it's something like that.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, so my question here again is, is uh, the hardest song for you to write on the album. And I just wonder, I wonder if maybe that was song number seven, because uh, that's pretty clear that that's about your uh, your wonderful daughter there. And I also wonder if you don't necessarily want to say it was hard for you to write. Was there a certain moment that it popped into your head, or did you know you were just going to write a
1: song about Luca and then crafted it one day? I remember prior to making the decision that the song was going to be written, I remember thinking about the song, title let's do it again and being like okay i gotta write a song called let's do it again at some point i don't know when because luca was at that age where she's still kind of at that age where she'll do something fun and want to do it again and you know and just want to do it again and again and again (laughs) But, well, I mean, it's an instant it, nostalgia point in
0: the song. It's an instant nostalgia point in the song. It brings you in because you remember yourself as a kid, and then yeah. if you yourself have a kid, you're totally put there. So it's instant nostalgia.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I, The, the moment that I, it crystallized for me was when we were out in the backyard during lockdown, and it was June 2020, and the sun was out. Luca was just happy as could be, had a little inflatable pool back there. Just She had no real... Clue what was going on in the world. I mean, she kind of. I mean, at four and a half, what do they, you know, necessarily know? You, you want to shield them as much as you can, anyway. But she was just loving life back there, screaming out, "Let's do it again!" I mean, that really is where it. Like, I started writing it. I might have even started writing it right there on my phone, just in my notes or something, just a few lines, and then just told Tom, like, "Hey, this has got to be a an upbeat poppy." whimsy type tune and he's got a daughter himself young daughter so it was pretty easy I think for uh, well for him I say that because I don't really know for sure it seems very easy for him but th- the way he comes up with melodies and and uh, chord progressions and stuff but it might not have been that easy but it was pretty easy to write to be quite honest the lyrics at least oh, the sidewalk chalk and sunshine is your let's do it again Let's
0: do it again. was the decision to uh, do the video a difficult one or did you know right away you were going to do a video like that
1: yeah i had a pretty good idea with that i mean i'd like any dad i would you know i was just collecting and i wasn't collecting the video you know five six years ago when she was born and little i wasn't collecting it thinking i was going to make a music video with the footage but as we got older as she got older I luckily had a bunch of footage, and then you know, especially once I knew the song was in the works, I, I, I pretty much soon after was like, "I'll do a video with this, and it'll be like a homage to Luca growing up." And and so I was a little bit more cognizant of some of the footage I would take. Some of it's just you know was in the you know in the can from years ago, and it just happened to work. And some of it was more specifically shot with that intention in the back of my mind were you,
0: were you giving her were you giving her stage direction
1: no no shots? <laughs> yeah maybe yeah maybe <laughs> maybe here and there <laughs> may, maybe a couple of those clips or but there was never like we're making a video like we're making a music video and do this it was more just Luke, daddy her. need you to do this right but i never like told her that i was gonna exploit her in that way <laughs> just but she's pretty happy now that the video's out she's pretty uh excited about the the notion that she's on youtube Pretty mind oh, the, blowing the, for her.
0: The video is very cool, and we will uh, we will send a link out with the uh, the video in the uh, comments up on social media. We'll be directing people there. I want to get into. Song number eight and song number nine a little bit before I uh, let you go here because I sure. thought song number eight might possibly have been the time where I was toe tapping the most along there any <laughs> other kind of way which was uh which as we talked about on the first side right tracks four and five can get into uh, what we feel with love lost and uh, track eight and then nine are definitely the uh, the beginnings of uh, love are they not
1: yeah yeah any other kind of way so the main inspiration for that was that documentary that came out echo in the canyon on netflix Uh, okay i'm familiar uh me and tom both watched it and we both love that sound you know that whole fucking laurel canyon sound you know that's where the eagles came out of and um it's jingly for sure it is man he played that 12 string on there that really added to it gave it a little birds vibe and those harmonies
0: that's what i was hearing it's the birds i was trying to figure out who else i couldn't get there the birds good call
1: yeah we love that song is and we tried to uh we tried to have it have a little shade of like the wonders from that thing you do too and i
0: okay uh, i didn't i didn't want to say that because i was afraid but
1: that that definitely is there (laughs) you know what i mean no don't be afraid we i mean we didn't try to Completely ripped.
0: No, no, them no. Off. I don't mean. I don't mean. I'm not mean, mean. You're ripping them off, but just vibes. You know. What I mean? Yeah, it it's had the vibe. Like, I love that song. Most yeah. people love that song. Yeah. You know. I mean, it's inescapable. But
1: yeah, no. That was big. we wanted that to be as happy and and poppy and you know, Beatles, birds, eagles, wonders. Rembrandts. I got a little Rembrandt, Rembrandt vibe, maybe. Yeah, there's some Rembrandts in there for sure, man. Yeah.
0: and then so here so here's my question song nine french cafe loved the song really did right like i think it does a great job of capturing you know that initial you know that first look right that first glance i think it does a great job with that we all have those moments in our heart we can tap into right the decision for the parentheses is that basically at some point you say to yourself all right i say inside a dream so much in this song i probably should have it in the title or was it really a tough process to finally at the end relent and put it
1: there storm gaze Across that French cafe And now I wonder If you feel the same uh, No, it wasn't a t- I, I, To be probably maybe too honest, I've really never had a song with parentheses. And uh, I always thought that staple. was cool. So
0: I, I, I I dug seeing it on the back album cover, I must admit.
1: Yeah, I think it makes... And it wasn't... You know, It makes sense, too. It wasn't forced. It wasn't it wasn't we it wasn't let's just do this because we have to do it it was it it worked perfectly for that song and i really think that song has a dreamlike vibe and it's almost like is this real is this a dream and so like in the song in the moment you might think this is really happening but then if you pull back and you take an overview you're like oh wait that was just a dream wasn't it the whole fucking thing um and that's where kind of that those things kind of play off each other, where it was, there was really no, you know, I've never been to France, but, <laughs> not yet, but it was more of a trying to capture a, a scene, like a, a legitimate scene that is playing out in front of you. Maybe you are a part of it, but in reality, you, it was probably all just a dream that you witnessed or you slept and saw it that way type of thing and and that i think helped just easily make a decision to put the words inside a dream inside a parentheses you know so that's kind of how that kind of played out well i think you definitely bring about a dreamlike state there
0: and then we finish out with october which i thought was a phenomenal song some great turns of phrases in there but i Thank thought you. then that 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 song was a little bit more we had the initial meeting of somebody, and then we dream about what our life could be, but then October is definitely about, okay, we've been together for a little bit while now, and nothing else seems to matter. That line of, was it October, or was it the
1: 4th of July is good stuff. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, we are coming up on the 4th of July. Yeah, you just kind of, uh, it's easy to tap into those emotions, just having been in relationships over the years, and you know, sometimes when you're in a relationship, it it, it is very all-consuming, and you do forget what day it is, what time it is, what year it is, what month it is, what holiday's coming up. And um, so we, we kind of tapped into that whole vibe. And Tom did a really good job of tapping into trying to. He, he, he made it very clear that he wanted it to sound like Elliot Smith, that, you know, he passed away. He did a few songs on the Goodwill Hunting soundtrack. And he wanted it to be very vulnerable and very real and honest and he did a great job, you know, kind of capturing that vibe and that, that emotion throughout the you know, the music and melody and he coached me pretty well on how to sing it. And I think we uh it was a good capper for the album for sure. It's a definite good emotional
0: clothing closing note, <laughs> I thought. So That is out and available for the people to listen to, to stream, to come get the physical CD from you, to come order the album if they want to. That's at brettwescons.com, correct? Yes, sir. All right and then is there i mean is there is there any last thing you want to get out about this late bloomer process any last thing you want to you want to say to the to the people here as we are we are celebrating this is a big week for you this is this is coming out on album drop day you're you're probably busy as all get out right now we recorded this a few uh, a few weeks before that but uh you're probably busy as all get out now so any, any last words you
1: want to get out No I just really hope I put a lot of <laughs> I, you know, I these songs mean a lot to me. They mean a lot to Tom. We've spent a lot of time and energy and effort and blood—not blood, but tears, emotion, sweat. I don't think I had any blood involved, but um, I might have banged into a mic stand or something and cut my shoulder. But I, I'm I sure just, you did. I do that on podcast. Come on, you <laughs> have to do that doing music. I poured a lot into it, both personally spiritually emotionally financially every Ali you can do and I left it all out on the floor for this record and I I, and I did that for me more than for anybody else me and Tom I guess but I I I think now that I've had time to process these songs and what we went through to get to where we got uh, I'm so proud of them and I just I think I know they connect with me and resonate with me so I just want them to resonate with with the listeners out there and that's what i'm i'm hoping that that's what happens well as uh, as somebody who is uh, admittedly a
0: little bit uh biased here man and at the risk of uh, making you uh, audio blush there i'm super proud of you i think it definitely comes out how much work you put into it how much of your self and soul that you were willing to bear and try to relate to other people and i just I'm, it's been a rough week again we don't really talk about that on this podcast but it's been a rough week based on recording and yeah. i just got a sense of hopefulness listening to your albums today and i felt that that was pretty cool and i
1: hope that a lot of other people feel that too I do too, man. Hope is a it's a beautiful thing.
0: Well, I guess what I hope that you will come back on the Morgan Eno Podcast Network sometime and uh, and just chop it us up with about uh with about anything that you want to another another fun movie another fun music topic you'll uh, come back and see us sometime there. I will be there, brother. Say when. All right. Just say win. Tombstone. Love it. All right. Late Bloomer available for you wherever you stream your music, or you can get yourself a physical copy at brettweskons.com. We'll have some links and stuff available up on the Morganino Facebook page where you can find all of that relevant stuff. We'll do our help to get the word out for our guy. This has been another episode of Let Me Ask You This, Just Me, One-on-one Somebody about interesting topics. Who knows when I'll do another one of these when something interesting comes up. But keep listening to the Morganino Podcasting Network. Till next time, that's the
1: Morganino. Joe woke up that morning oh. with no intention of making waves. But the sun was shining on him. He had to stop and shield his face.